Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be talking about all things Search Party. Today, we are joined by co-creators, showrunners, executive producers, writers, and directors, Charles Rogers and Sarah Violet Bliss, as well as cast members, John Reynolds, Meredith Hagner, and John Early. And Charles and Sarah Violet, I wanted to start by talking a little bit, um, you know, people always talk about the tone of this show, but actually how that informs your process, because each season has such a unique voice to it. And you've said how, because of that, it actually really shifts your process and the way that you write each season. And so for season five, I was really interested in what those unique aspects were within the writer's room and within the process of creating the voice of the show and the arc for these characters. Yeah, I think more than any other season, this show, this this season like goes through different stages. So we have a lot of different references and it's hard to talk about where it goes because they're spoilers. So we don't want to, we don't want to ruin anything. But, um, you know, we, we at this point, stage we're pulling from uh you know the the kind of culture of self-help slash like um uh, enlightened gurus um who or you know um uh people who've had near-death experiences and you know feel now like a completely different person and taking dory on that journey to really uh go from like last season where things were as dismal as it gets for her and then having this great sense of hope while the other characters are in the opposite spectrum of that and like in every aspect of their lives just completely settling and being like and I'm okay with that you know um and then that turning more towards you know like uh Elizabeth Holmes vibes and uh and then other stuff that I don't want I don't want to spoil too much but um yeah this season has a lot of different references yeah, it's the season is I think more than ever leans into horror and sci-fi as genres that unfold in ways that you're, people probably won't expect. Um, but death was really like the starting place, and the idea that like season four into season five was like a big pivot for the show and for all of the characters and for Dory's POV, like dying and coming back and rebirth and everyone kind of resigning themselves to a certain fate uh, as this fifth season begins. And then jumping over to you, John Reynolds, and talking about Drew, I wanted to talk about the, the pressure cooker situation that is his internal self, because he's always someone who's kind of trying to create this plausible deniability for himself and really suppress a lot of things, you know, yeah. running away, falling in love with someone playing a princess at a theme park. But there's always the moment where things come to the surface because you can't just continuously suppress everything to that degree. And so for you, when you're looking at all of his storylines and all of his arcs, how do you find those beautiful moments where the pressure cooker really bubbles over in the way that you want to play that? Um, I'll, take, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is funny. I feel like every season is like, okay, well, when's Drew going to explode? And it's always, <laughs> there's always that scene. <laughs> Uh, there's a few times in this season where it's that scene, but um, I think it's kind of nice. He had like a huge one, obviously, at the end of season four. So I think every single season he's trying to find some sort of semblance of normalcy and happiness, whether, like you mentioned, reverting to his childhood self or fleeing the country or trying to clear his conscience. But now uh, I think he um, has sort of come to terms with all of that and is trying to just be selfish and uh, kind of throws his morals out the window for a second. 
But then, you know, obviously Dory comes back in the picture and he's sort of thrown right back into where he is every other season. <laughs> and then for you, John Early, with your character, I was interested in how you kind of discover a lot of his choices and a lot of his actions, because for him, it's so much about not what is the broader choice to make, but what is the choice that serves me the best as an individual, which was so fully encapsulated by his journey into becoming a right wing media pundit. That was really just about what can I get out of the situation? What's the benefit to me? And so when you look at all the extraneous circumstances, what's your journey of discovering the, the choices that are going to serve him the best as a character for your performance? For season five? Yeah, and generally as well. Um, I mean, yeah, for season five specifically, um, you know, yeah, as, as SV said, they're all kind of um, going through their own version of settling down. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's funny to see the way that Elliot, like, you know, most people start, a, you could argue that starting a family is, you know, I don't know, self-serving, or you could also argue that it's like the most selfless thing you can do. But like, um, it's funny to see Elliot start a family because it's, um, it's just like, it's, it's, it's very Elliot. He's basically like genetically engineers like a child. He describes <laughs> the kid as a, a conversation piece um, before they choose it. Um, so, uh, yeah yeah even like the most kind of like on paper maybe like selfless moment of, of Elliot's thus far in the series is still like uh hilariously and like apocalyptically narcissistic <laughs> <laughs> And then Meredith, jumping over to you, you know, you're playing a character who so much of her driving force is just about that real need for love and validation that she mm -hmm. never had within her family growing up. And, and you said mm -hmm. that that was kind of the immediate connectivity to her as a character, even back when you mm -hmm. shot the pilot, um, you know, but it's, it's interesting because she has got this kind of idea of a chosen family and she does receive aspects of that. So there are small evolutions in that within her and yet it still always exists as a precipice. And so for this season, how did you want to look at the evolution she's made as a character, but also the space in which that still always exists for her? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like the idea being that like all of our own traumas as people are like not in our conscious mind anyway. Like, you know, like that all exists within us, our upbringings and the ways in which, you know, all of that is just in her. So it's such an innate. And then by this point, we've now done these characters for 50 episodes. So, so much of that undercurrent is like already been established and is kind of just in, uh, you know, my um, performance and on some level. So that that just need for connectivity is such a part of like her trauma and her experience. So she, despite her friends doing despicable, awful things, she still will do anything to feel that. And it was fun playing like the beginning of the season of whatever Porsche's version of like true rock bottom is um, of of like light burning out. And then being able to find ways to like re feel that again. Um, yeah. And something that I wanted to ask all of you about is part of the reason that the show works so well is it's never afraid to make the big choices and it's not, you know, when they're all st stranded and their clothes have been stolen last season, it's not, oh, wouldn't it be 
funny or missing some of their clothes. It's what if they found trash bags? What if they found beer boxes for shoes? You know, what if they had a genetically engineered child that was a conversation starter? And I was interested in how you always look at the big choices, how you can add more to each instance, but yet also finding what that line is of how far can we take something before it would start to feel like a caricature? Because it always comes back to that element of feeling grounded through character choice. Yeah, it's tricky. It's it's always really tricky when we're breaking the show. It we're often like having to strike the balance between like what would be like a really suspenseful, grounded, dramatic storyline, and also okay, well, what's the search party version of it, or what's the way to subvert that, or make it more unique or strange or just tonally fit the world of the show. And like this season in particular, the ideas, and it's hard, it's hard to talk about without spoiling where it goes, but the ideas get so big and so heightened that it's, it's about the kind of like boiling frog <laughs> approach of just like easing into something that's so heightened that by the time you arrive there, it feels, it feels possible. But then like, if you're going to just like pitch it off the cuff, it's like, that's crazy. Um, and, you know, there was a moment even in shooting season four, when Cola Scola was like choking and dowed to death that I was just like, I can't believe this. <laughs> like, I can't believe the show got to this place. And so in a similar vein, this season is like, by far the most heightened season of the show. And it's hard to believe, it, it does not resemble season one of the same. You would have a hard time understanding if you put these two seasons back to back how we got here, but hopefully people believe it by the time they're there. Yeah, I think also like we like to put the characters, like we like to go bigger and bigger and it's something that we're sort of noticing through as we've been writing the show that it's like it's it's good to make those big choices and and uh figure out a way to make them feel um grounded and you know from character rather than just you know as a device also like this i, I feel like every season by by the end of season one i think we were as at least in the ensemble, we were very accustomed to like having to grapple with like extraordinary circumstances. Um, and so I don't know, it, it kind of, I think we're able to adapt each season, but also this season in particular, as it got bigger and bigger, there'd be times where like, is this, is this bonkers? And then you'd be like, no, look at Elizabeth Holmes, look at Elon Musk, look at the pandemic, mm -hmm. look at like influencer culture, like it all, it is, I think Search Party does a really good job of like capturing the, it's not like a one-to-one, -one, like holding a mirror up to nature, to quote um, <clears throat> Shakespeare. Um, but it is like, it is like, it captures like every season, it like captures like the volume of the moment or like the essence of the culture, mm -hmm. but it's not like a direct depiction of the culture. But I think this season in particular, like it's really like, <sighs> which is, most certainly what it feels like to be alive right now. Yeah. And on a simple level, I think it's like as heightened and extraordinary as the circumstances get, the directing and acting still stays like very grounded yeah. and small. So it's like, well, if they actually have real emotions and care about these things, you pretty much do anything with them and everybody's on board. <laughs> and also people are com like, people know our characters by this point too. There's like, we know, so much of like the idiosyncrasies that make 
these people who they are and obviously the writing and, and then the performances. And so you do feel free in being able to like, you know, go to the places that they write for us because you feel like you have the safety of the history that has already been established. Even when it comes to shaping new characters that step into this world, you know, oftentimes temporarily or for certain arcs, um, for you, Charlotte and SV, I think it's also a testament to the way that you write these characters. Um, like you were mentioning Cole's character in the last season, choking Andy out and that feeling like such a heightened thing, but that character works so well because of the way that you wrote them and the fact that we understood how they ended up being the way that they were. We understood their emotional wants and needs and that it was just this desperation for a connection and that the thing that they built up in their mind for so long that they were trying to make a reality and so when you're shaping characters like that that are stepping into this world what's that that journey of laying that that foundation for them and that groundwork so that they can come across in that way and that you can really push choices whether it's for the established cast who've been doing this for 50 episodes or whether it's someone coming in for their very first moment well i think with any actor that we're working with we want to work with their strengths and so knowing that Cole was going to be that part we knew that we we're really familiar with like how great they are and how um in the ways in which they can really shine on screen so uh that helped us write the nuances of the character thinking about what Cole would would really like excel at um and and uh you know it, you know those the process of writing sort of starts kind of like basic plot points and then it's like okay now we need to embellish it with something special that these actors can bring to the role um and if we don't know who the character is going to be then at least draw from something that we recognize in real life and can like turn on its head and um, have, have like a, a fun, a fun twist on, on, on it. And, you know, like you didn't, you don't want, you didn't want Dory to be down there with just like a brooding psychopath. They needed to have some, something, some flair and funniness to, to them. Yeah. And I think all the characters, uh, I think the thing that is kind of the connective tissue with all the characters in the show is that, you know, they're, they can have extreme personalities or, you know, some, the show can kind of go broader or zanier with some aspects of tone, but ultimately like every character's pain and wound is kind of like the defining characteristic of them. And I think that if you don't lose sight of that, then that's always grounding. And like, you can always at least understand what the show is commenting on or intending. And that's kind of the thing that, that connects all the different, performance styles and characters together is that ever like you know what everyone's like <laughs> baggage is and that's what drives them and and talking a little bit about the acting process and how you all find scenes there's something that you've mentioned Meredith about how for you oftentimes the end point is finding the dramatic element and the dramatic impact on your character and then once you've established that that then you kind of come in from the comedic space and I was interested in mm -hmm. in what that looks like and for John and John if that's similar to how you find this myriad of dramatic and comedic tones or if you have a different approach yeah, I, yeah, I just like kind of approach it all the same. And I, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I'll be like, and I'm sure SB and Charles feel this too. It's like, I'll learn a scene or feel whatever the get, get in, 
obviously understanding what's happening story-wise. And then sometimes I'll be shocked by like what happens on the day tonally. Sometimes it'll be so much more dramatic or we'll be like, that was dramatic today. Or like, it's sort of that becomes something that now I think we just find on the day. But yeah, I kind of just engage with all the scenes from the same kind of place and then feels like leaning into the comedy sometimes in bigger ways or smaller ways or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the tone has sort of been established and it gets a little bit campier every single year. And, you know, we're allowed to have some freedom to be funnier. Um, but I just think it's also pretty clear in the writing, like the humor and the drama are like not mutually exclusive. So a lot of times it's pretty simple, like, oh, if the more serious I take this scene, the funnier it's going to look and the mm -hmm. more dramatic the stakes are here, the funnier this scene is really going to be. Um, and I just admire that about the show. Like as extreme as it gets, there's never any like winking or breaking the fourth wall or somebody being like, hey, this is weird. Uh, even though if someone's going to do it, that is true. <laughs> is that similar for you, John? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, we, it, we have been doing it for so long um, that it really is, it, it, what's, what's the luxury of having a job go on this long is that you kind of get to a point where you're not really thinking about your process that much. Like we, we kind of, we're a little more conscious of what the tone was and what we were like actively mm -hmm. making it to be in seasons one and two and i feel like since then we've just kind of know what we do i mean i would say i'm like a little more of a kind of hit my marks kind of like <laughs> one two and three kind of scream the lines and then i feel like charles and us <laughs> and our guest directors are really good at, and then like when i'm like looking at john and meredith and ali i'm like oh i like then I'm like, oh, I see the textures, the dramatic textures of the scene, and and the directors are really good at bringing out the kind of subtext and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I remember coming in for the funeral speech. I remember like reading the funeral speech in season four and being like, and literally reading it, not being able to like get through it without crying. And so I was like, here we go, John, here we go. <laughs> and then like, and then I like came in and tried to kind of replicate my like, kind of like what I had done the night before alone in my. <laughs> And then you guys were like, I think just like scream it. <laughs> and, and it's like kind of like an impassioned like political speech and stuff. So it's like you kind of never know. And 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 I'm I'm with Meredith. Like sometimes I'm like, ooh, drama or ooh, comedy. And then it, and then it just like becomes more uh, complicated and complex than that when you show up. And that's what's I think great about the show. I mean, you were mentioning the funeral speech that he that Elliot gives, and within that speech, he's talking about how often the things that you get so frustrated at with other people are the things that you disdain within yourself the most, which is such a common facet within all of us. And for Elliot, what do you feel are some of the projections that he makes onto other people that are the things that he's really just not dealing with within himself? God, I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's probably all over the show and I just haven't thought of it enough. But like, I, I think he just does have a kind of general like disdain for like everyone. Um, or or I think he, he, he can like read people immediately. I think he's very like perceptive in that way. Like he knows when people are being like false or something and like, and then that's like the projection because obviously he's like deeply false and like, 
um, completely self-made and he's in complete denial of his past and of everything in his life. Um, so yeah, I think he's like, he's like a real quick, uh, smart judge of character, but that's only because he knows what it took to construct his own identity, you know, which was to, to be in like, he, he, he's very aware of his own kind of machinations, machinations. CH, how are we doing it? Hard cha? Imagination. He projects it on other people. And John Reynolds, you've talked about how, you know, when you came on to Search Party, you were almost entirely within the pure comedy space and that this was kind of the first role that you'd taken on that like had so much meat with dancing between those two spaces. And I was interested in in looking back over the five seasons that you've worked on this show, how you feel that you've really evolved as a dramatic actor. Um, well, I hope a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, uh, you know, I think every season there are scenes where I, when I first read the scripts, I'm like, well, this is going to be hell for me because I don't know how to do this. And then, um, you know, uh, I think you just show up and then you do it. And then I surprise myself. I'm like, oh, well, that was actually pretty good. Um, <laughs> and it helps because everyone else in the cast is also so good. And yeah, I think a lot of Drew's stuff is tied to more dramatic sides of the show, but because I can't help myself sometimes and I, you know, see John and Meredith being so funny, I like to throw in some little stuff here and there. And um, I think that balance is really good. And um, You're brilliant, Randy. Also, yeah, yeah, you all are. I'll say that, like, all of you have also, we're always from the beginning, like, clearly so talented but have even as the show evolves like just gotten so comfortable in your own like and confident in in your acting abilities it's like watching it was it's kind of like when like in season one when Ron Livingston came on it was like oh wow he's like a professional he just like gets he's like in it and like whatever and like that's how, how I've seen you guys now sort of come Aww. into your it's just so it's so, so like, cute oh they're like full-on professionals now <laughs> yeah we were just like i don't know screw line actors before we came on oh, no, we're all wonderful <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that kind of leads into what you were saying before, Charles and SV, uh -huh. about how, you know, when you have someone coming in for a guest arc that you're really, it's really about writing to their strengths, but it also feels like in the further the show has gone that you just write more and more to the strengths of this cast here as well. And so what are some of those character developments or moments that have happened within the show that have really been off the back of, of looking to their strengths as actors and as comedians? I mean, I think- Yeah, I think a, a, a part Sorry. No, it's okay. Sorry. Well, I was just like with with Elliot, him turning, uh, you know, Republican in season four was like, oh, that'll be fun, really fun for for uh, John Early to play, you know, <laughs> and um, and you know, I, I could go through them all, but I, I'm just, <laughs> I don't want, don't make me, <laughs> but like th that they they just it just it all with every character we're always wanting to be like okay what's what's something that will be like like fun to have them have to grow, deal with and see what how it goes like kind of with with john reynolds and or their drew and portia like they're you know hooking up for 
together is like very fun for both of them on how they are approaching that and um see just you know it's also while it's both like written towards them it also is fun to see I'm like I can't wait to see what this is going to look like you know because <laughs> they always make it better so I mean, because Drew and Portia hooking up together came up into the conversation there, I wanted to ask you, John and Meredith, about that first scene where they're kind of coming together <laughs> and it's the slowest, slowest, slowest come together of two characters that I think I've ever seen in any show and how you really realized that that was, that was kind of not just the most comedic way to play that scene, but how that also was such a dialogue about these two characters and the, di you know, the hesitations, the reasons to do it, the reasons not to do it as they kind of gradually move closer to one another. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think originally we were really milking it when we were first acting. We were, it was so, <laughs> John is so fun to act with. And it was so, it was so fun just, okay, I really just hijacked you talking. No, go for it, go for it. Probably for the 7,000th time since I've known you. But like, it, John is so fun to work with. And it's so fun and funny to just play two people who are wildly on a, like that have, that are together out of nothing but convenience and like trauma bonding but also John's just so fucking funny and it was so the two of us were we were milking it like they, they had to keep being like take turn like bring it down a notch yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like bring it down a notch and faster <laughs> I know I was like I just want to need to do a screwball comedy with like some like vaudeville with John Reynolds or I, I think we were definitely feeding off of each other's uh, <laughs> and it was getting very silly I also he likes to tell a story how I ate tuna fish and Doritos, which was my signature sandwich. And as yeah. everybody knows, and was constantly jealous of, yet never had the balls to try it themselves, was, it was tuna uh, with a stack of Doritos. And that was our oh, first kiss. It was our first scene of the whole season. <laughs> Meredith came no, really? with Doritos all over her face <laughs> and in her teeth. It was like, I'm so excited. <laughs> and we just and started I into making it. That day. And you were what? I was the intimacy coordinator that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was kind of so good at it, John. <laughs> Thank you. Like, I just think it's so funny watching like two characters like hooking up where neither of them wants it. <laughs> like, just trying to force the force something to be joyful and, and it's just like, oh, this is sad. Yeah, just like kissing, like, mm, I do like yeah. that. <laughs> That was good for me. Uh, yeah, it was really fun. Love it. it was such a great scene. And for all of you, kind of now you're now that you're at the point of of wrapping out this show that like you you know, like you said, you've been working on this for five seasons for fifty episodes, and you've spent so long with these characters, so long with this story. Um, what are the what are the things that you're gonna miss the most about working on this show, creating this show, and shaping these characters and performing on it? Just, I mean, the familiarity, like, it's mm -hmm. such a luxury. I don't, you know, it, we may never have it again. <laughs> um, but, like, that, what SV's talking about, of, like, the way you kind of grow, you, the, you just have to think about so little by the end of it. You know, you, it's just in you and you that much more available to, like, new things, you know. And when you when I do other jobs, at least I'm like, oh, and then also like I search party, I feel very lucky to be on something that has such a distinct, sharp point of view, similar to Knives Out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <in your> <laughs> um, but, uh, but, 
<laughs> but I, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's just, um, there's a lot of really mediocre stuff in the world. There always has been. Um, but it's, it's, it's really nice to be on something that's like so bold and not like, and so actually funny versus like kind of middling, like dramedy funny, which I feel like is what everything is now. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I'll miss. Can I go next? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing. No, I'm going to miss like, oh man, there's something also going to pump Espy and Charles's tires a little bit. Um, <laughs> there's, su there's such a shorthand with them and there's such, I, I can't look at only them on the screen when I tell them it's gone, but there's such a shorthand <laughs> and there's, there's so, there's moments where there is preciousness, but there always feel, there feels like so little ego. It just feels like nothing feels like so precious. It's kind of like, there's this irreverence, even though the show's so fucking good and special and they're brilliant. There's just this kind of like free feeling of, yeah, we're still making a TV show, which I find isn't, I don't find that very often. Usually there's this like intensity. And so it really creates such a atmosphere to just play and, and try things. And also we just all have this shorthand now that's just like, they can just look at me and start with and without saying much. And it feels like John was saying, it's that familiarity that's like, and I think the four of us do have such a special dynamic together that um, like is really rare. So that's all. And yeah. I'll round out the cast before the creators <laughs> go. Um, but I would agree with everything everyone said, especially just feeling so comfortable on set and also just trusting everybody because I trust SP and Charles that the show's gonna be good mm -hmm. and gonna be really funny. And I trust all the actors. Um, and there were, a lot of friends on the show too. Uh, mm. I think I'm gonna, it hasn't really hit me obviously uh, <laughs> how much I'll miss the show or how great of a job the show was, but it was always really fun to hear who was gonna play the parts because we had a bunch of amazing guest actors, but then a lot of like friends. Um, I feel like over the five years, like all of my comedy friends ended up coming into the show and doing something uh, which was always like a treat and fun. So I don't know. It was just really nice to make a show with like-minded people that I liked. And um, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Like off of, I mean, it's all, it's the same trend that everyone's talking about, but basically like I have always really admired Christopher guest movies and I've always been like, Oh, I really want like that cohesiveness between all the actors and the creators. Like they all are so clearly on the same page and so funny and um, create this world that like is is unlike any anything else and I like craved that and I was like oh wow I we really did that together on search party and I'm really gonna miss having um, basically what we're all saying is <laughs> that happens on the show which is just a full mutual understanding of what we're going for I'll miss so many things, but I will miss the, like, this group of people, plus Alia, um, being, you know, just, like, I've taken for granted that, like, the show just puts us together, um, you know, like, so from here on out, it's going to have to be, like, really intentional for us to, like, <laughs> hang out. <laughs> and so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, like, I I'll, I'll just miss the chemistry and the magic of, like, these people together. And I'll miss the like creative experiment of like continuing 
a story for so long. Um, that's been a huge lesson. And I don't know if I'm ever going to learn it again in another similar capacity where like, you're just still telling a story because you know, I don't think most shows like evolve quite as much or do all the same things. So like, it's been a huge lesson in writing and, and working with people. And, uh, and then, yeah, I'll, I think this show has really given me like a, it's really expanded my social life on a personal level. And so like, you know, it's given me a reason to know a lot of people and a part of me is like, Oh God, don't take that away from me. (laughs) (laughs) No one will want to know me without a show. (laughs) (laughs) I'll miss my youth. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You've all created something so unique and special with this show. And I think the biggest testament is the fact that there isn't anything else that, that replicates this or is anything like this. So congratulations on, you know, these really amazing seasons. And thank you so much for sharing all of this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.